Hello everybody and welcome back to the Enterprise Dish. This is uh, another exciting episode, primarily because Aaron and I each get to talk about our own individual versions of Windows because Microsoft has announced two versions of Windows since we have talks, talked last. How you doing, Aaron? I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. It's just funny because the last time we talked, there had just been like this leak and, yep. and we didn't know anything and it, and it just started going and we're like, well, I don't know. How does it look to you? That's cool. Yep. And now here we are again. Um, but this time it's a little bit of a different enchilada. I mean, I'll let you carry on a little bit before I get on my soapbox here. <laughs> yeah, so we got we got two primary things to talk about. One of which was announced this week, because this earlier week uh, when it went live. Uh, and then also two or three weeks ago, my math might be a little off there, they announced Windows 11. So why don't we start with Windows 11? Because that's where we last left off. Microsoft officially said, here's Windows 11. It looked very much like the leak build. Um, have you tried it at all or installed it or taken a look at it? Not not much. We, we're sort of in wait and see mode because so much of what mm -hmm. we need to do really is centered on the sort of packaged experience, right? So so once we don't we don't do a lot in a real invasive way or investigatory way until there's a little bit more uh, to play with from a packaged installer, mm -hmm. um, sort of releasable, um, distributable bit perspective. Yeah. Um, so most of what we're doing is sort of um, looking at, um, you know, sort of just the, the, the sort of high gloss bits and, and mm -hmm. what is it and how does it work. And that is mostly aligned to my reaction in our last discussion, which is, okay, yeah, yeah, it looks nicer and looks and feels a little bit more like Mac OS and kind of saw some of this coming and sure seems like Sun Valley mostly redressed and sort of an interesting series of pivots coming out of Windows mm -hmm. 10X and, 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 and sort of all those, 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 those initial suspicions. I don't know. Have you, have you done much more digging? So, yeah, I, I mean, I've got it on actually this laptop, which is kind of hard to see. Um, this guy right here, I'm actually running it right on this nice. guy. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch to like to to unpack it and and not unpack from this. Uh, first off, the most well, you know, the most happiest thing with Windows 11, at least for me personally, and you probably hopefully agree, has nothing to do with the OS. It's that Microsoft is officially going to one update per year. Just that's it. That's it. One update per year. On the consumer side, we get 24 months of support. The enterprise channel gets 36 months. Like that just untangles the web of what the heck is going on f with Windows just in general. Uh, it makes me quite happy. If they deliver on it, <laughs> yes. if they deliver on it, right? And so I, I feel like with all of the crazed security things going on, is it going to be monthlies being bigger? Mm -hmm. It, you know, I mean, how are they going to kind of address this and keep pace with everything that's going on? And I, and I suppose they, you know, you know, monthly updates, they can, they can wrap anything they want into that. Right. And, yep. and just have the major kind of roll up, big build kind of reinstall situation, which a lot of people were waiting for anyway in the enterprise. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were really slow rolling that anyway. So I think for a lot of people, especially our listeners, this this might not be too earth shattering of a you know sort of an announcement it makes it so that it, it well from the microsoft perspective it probably makes it so that their 
cadence is more aligned to what customers are doing anyway. So what's the point of pushing so hard and making all this happen when customers mm -hmm. are sort of slow rolling in any way? And then a lot of customers, based on our experience, were sort of like, okay, can I just jump you know, to 2004, do I, you know, I mean, what, whatever the right numbers are, yeah. you know, or, or do I have to, do I have to do the, these serially and so on and so forth. And then, and then it becomes sort of this discussion with our support team of imaging strategy and, and do I fully push down a new image and, and flatten and reload and do a kind of a user state migration, you know, it kind of gets into some of this, this sort of question and I think going to annual will not erase that. It will yep. not undo that necessarily for IT is, is my is my response. I, I agree with you though, Brad, that it is fundamentally better. It's, yeah. it, I think it makes more sense. It's smarter. It's 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 all good at the, on that level. Yeah, the other, and this is like in the weeds kind of, I don't want to call it nerdy stuff, but I mean, that's what my spouse would probably call it. So what are the really interesting things about Windows 11 that we've seen? Now, granted, we only have two builds. We had the first release, then they released a subsequent update. Is it looks like Microsoft has fully decoupled the shell of the OS from the underlying bits. And the reason why I say that is the build, the two builds that have come out have both been uh, numbered 22,000. And they haven't changed, but very clearly with the second release, which came down the pipeline as a cumulative update added new UI components. So early kind of indication here is that, hey, we actually believe that Windows 11, the base of it has already, it's already done, like it's already signed off and that they can just now update the visual components. We don't know to what extent yet, just through these cumulative updates, which is not something we've seen previously. Previously, you had to reinstall everything. So interesting. It's been a while since I've dug into sort of windows architecture mm -hmm. and have any access to the people and i know you know some of these people as well um you know kind of arch architect level um you know principal engineer distinguished mm -hmm. engineer types who who make some of these decisions and i know this has been some of the thinking for a long time is that increased um, modularity increased decoupling of kind of core os from presentation layer if you will mm -hmm. The other thing, as we know, is that Microsoft is interesting in that they they build the client first, and then after that, historically, has come the server operating system yes. based on that, the, the client kernel and all of that, which to me always seemed backwards. Why would you put the um, sort of more refined, more built out, um, vehicle first when you could put kind of the stripped down kind mm -hmm. of more utilitarian piece out first. And I think it's just a, a historical artifact or a remnant of the legacy of this product. Yep. Um, so it, 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 it's that which is sort of neither here nor there, but it, it maybe protracted the time that it took to, to realize this new architecture. And maybe, I mean, this is me thinking kind of out loud here for a second is this is sort of where they were going with 10x and this was the carryover or the holdover or this may have been sort of what was building and burgeoning um in the background for some time leading up to you know this big release now um it's it sort, sort of sort of puzzling but i think it means good things mm -hmm. ultimately the this this architectural approach i think is going to benefit everyone i think it does mean that these annual updates will be you know, potentially more reliable. Yeah. We could see more features faster, which would be kind of cool. 
um, you know, they can take it farther. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, it, it's we don't know the full hope, hopeful positive ramifications of this decoupling and because Microsoft hasn't really communicated all that well yet about their actual intentions. We're just kind of reading like, you know, this is what we've seen in two builds. Who knows? The next build could change all that, but we're not, I'm not, I would be quite surprised if things get completely intertwined again. So we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs waiting for Microsoft to communicate on that one. I, I, I agree. I don't think we're going to see a big reversal at this point. Pretty much for sure not. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that would be monumental, you know, crazed, yep you know, human years of work, plural, like these mega teams of devs, you know, kind of resetting. Um, so I, I I agree on that. This is probably the way forward. And it has all kinds of implications for the work that we now have to go and do, um, which, you know, is is multifaceted and, mm-hmm. and is a lot of hours and 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 will be, you know, our our coming year and probably 15 months or more is going to be revolving around this this change and this evolution, gotcha. which ultimately I think is good. It's good for yep. the enterprise, especially if, if, if this architecture plays out the way that we think of it, it's gonna mean more features faster and it's gonna mean, you know, uh, you know, cleaner updates and, and, you know, possibility of better security architecture, all these things that everybody needs uh, badly. Uh, that's that's gonna be good news for IT. The one big question I have that Microsoft has not answered yet, and I, I know the usage of this SKU is pretty small, but it's an important one. Windows 10 has long-term servicing channel, which is you kind of install it, and it. I keep asking Microsoft, like, is this coming to Windows 11? What's the arrangement? Is it going to be like, hey, if you want, if you need that type of feature, continue to run Windows 10 LTSC, and don't talk about Windows. Like, Microsoft won't won't tell us if the SKU is officially coming. So that is one of the major outstanding questions, at least still to this day. That is a great, great question. On a, for, for a couple of reasons and on a couple of levels, there are a lot of hardware and software manufacturers who rely on the long-term service mm-hmm. channel in order to make their products sustainable. I was talking to an AI company the other day and and got our support team involved in discussions with them and was like, well, obviously you need to switch to LTSC and that'll pretty much solve your problems, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it'll reduce the frequency. But the fact that they're going to the once a year update might mean that they're going to get rid of that to your, right. to your Brad. And that, that would be a concern, right? I mean, that would be very disruptive mm-hmm. to all these ISVs and IHVs um, who want more control. That, 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 that would be a huge problem and will cost them dearly if, if that gets disrupted Yep, on multiple levels, right? They're going to have to do changes, rewrite re-architect their stuff in order to manage going forward so i wouldn't i don't know I, I, that, yep. that's one to keep an eye on for yeah, sure it's it's one of those outlying things that if you if you don't use it like you don't care about it but to your point the people that care about ltsc they care about it and so my my gut just says they're going to tell you to stay on windows 10 while they f- maybe I don't, I don't like to say the word figure it out with windows 11 because it's all it's something microsoft could do any time of the week uh but here we are. So if I were to, if, if, you know, you know, this whole notion of, do you want to bet on it? If I were a betting man, I would bet that it, it it reappears 
that 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 it it continues to I like exist. Your optimism. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it does. Yeah, I, right? I, there's Not a lot of people friends, but, that are definitely yeah. hopeful that it does. But the so here's the other, I should say, massive unknown, and this has two big impacts to me on a personal level. So we'll bring it up anyways, because I like talking about is the spec requirement for Windows 11. The minimum device requirements are changing significantly. Microsoft is, well, they initially came, I roll my eyes, because they initially came out and said, if you have an Intel 7th gen processor, you can't run Windows 11. And then people like myself pointed out and says, hey, you're still selling the Surface Studio 2, which has a 7th gen processor, which you want 3,500 bucks for, and you're telling me it doesn't run 11. Now they've come out and said, well, we're investigating 7th gen, and we don't quite know if you have those chips, if you can run, quote unquote, Windows 11, even though I know it works, but it could be an artificial limitation. The reason why it's personal is this podcast box we're recording it on until 7th gen and my primary editing rig upstairs, which is a very beastly machine. It's a 10 core, 20 thread, 7900X, also a 7th gen chip. OEMs love yeah. new operating systems, Oh, sure systems, they do. Brad. They love it. <laughs> they love it for this reason exactly right here, that these new requirements mean people have to buy hardware. Yep. And so, you know, this is where, where Microsoft and the big three and all the second tiers and everybody in between is are on the same page. You know, putting pushing the specs up higher. Mm -hmm. You know, the all, all the component manufacturers love it. Intel loves it. You know, it's it's just it's good for business in a lot yeah. of ways. But to your point, is this sort of a artificial? We made this up because it'll just work better, or will it fundamentally not work? Or are, are there? Mm -hmm. You know, the other the other thing that is a, is a real problem for business is if there are underlying, like risks and holes and things yeah. that 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 pose a problem um for for running on those older older processors um yep. but it, it it is it, it and, and here herein lies the dilemma for the enterprise and for business is okay we need to keep pace we want to keep our people productive we want to stay relevant and so in order to do that, we want to keep on a regular cadence. It doesn't have to be minute to minute. In fact, most organizations defer migrations for a year or more. But when that time comes, how do you execute that? Mm -hmm. And invariably, it can be quite disruptive and costly for this reason right here. Okay, we want to migrate OSs, but we also now have to migrate hardware. So do we deploy new hardware on the old operating system and then do in-place upgrades to the new operating system or do we do them together, which mm -hmm. is you know, even you know more costly from an IT perspective because of all the churn associated, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so, and the, the, you know, and a very large enterprise, there's a, usually a very massive test undertaking that, that rides along with all of that. That's a lot of hours and energy. And, you know, this is not, a, this is not sort of just a, oh yeah, let's go buy the new stuff kind of decision. This is a, you know, big project with a lot of people involved and mm -hmm. a lot of decision making and a lot of here's why we can't do it yet kind of kind of notions, which is also why you saw, you know, Windows XP end of life dragged out forever and ever and ever and ever because there was not a very good way forward for most businesses. So this this shouldn't be, you know, and of course, a lot of that's been fixed and things are better now. So good. But the same fundamental set of challenges still exist and the same questions still have to be answered, right? The same yep. diligence has to be undertaken. So it's, it's not a casual, let's, let's go do this kind of, you know, 
have an adventure kind of thing. It's high <laughs> yeah, risk. No, it's, you know, it's a big deal. It's a very big. So there's the, the problem is is Microsoft has already they they put out an initial spec list and then they kind of scrubbed it from the internet and then they put out a different one and then they said, well, maybe that's not really it. The, what are the, and we don't know what, what's really going on here because Microsoft initially said the requirement baseline was a TPM 2.0 chip, which is the security module on the motherboard. Fine. Like that's, that's a fine requirement. The problem is, is I think TPM 2.0 goes all the way back to like Intel fifth gen potentially. So it, it can't be a line in the sand and say, it's just that because that narrative falls apart. And so now, Along with LTSC, we're sitting here waiting, figuring out like, you know, what devices are actually going to be able to run this? Oh, yep, exactly right. And so we're kind of just waiting and wondering, yeah, right. I mean, everybody's in this same like middle ground of okay, looks yep. cool, feels cool. What's it cost, right? When what 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 do we need to run it? Yep. You know, what does that mean in terms of when we realistically can get on it, right? Is it a 2022 thing? Is it a 2023 thing? Uh, is it past that? Probably for most organizations, it's yeah. going to be late 23, maybe 24, right? And end of life mm -hmm. for 10 is 25. Is that right? October 25? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's so, about right. So, so there's time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's cool, reasonable. Um, but th that's going to be a necessity for most organizations having that much time. Yeah, so if that didn't inc include enough ambiguity about where Windows is going, this week at Microsoft's Inspire conference, and I told Aaron when I was reading this news initially as we got it ahead of announcement, it was Microsoft announced Windows 365, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, the primary reason why we're like three weeks past Windows 11, and then here comes Windows 365 just to create... <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> There's a lot of... There's a lot of confusion here. The the top level, the top line of what Windows 365 is, uh, this is a technical audience. It's a VDI-like solution from Microsoft that allows you to stream Windows 10 or 11 in the browser on any type of device, including your line of business applications, sold as a su subscription on a per-user basis, and they're calling it Windows 365, and here we are. Short of an eye roll, uh, if for, for people listening and, and not watching, I'm scratching my chin and, and sighing here on the sidebar, and, and, and there are many reasons why. And, the, and, and so we have been bullish on VDI mm -hmm. as an organization. We, we, we have historically been very pro virtual desktop. We have been... Um, very interested in bringing that town to the local frame. Mm -hmm. The very earliest versions of our product, we envisioned it running on a hypervisor, okay. which might surprise some people, especially mm -hmm. our customers. It doesn't. It runs mm -hmm. locally for a thousand reasons that I will name a few of in a moment. Mm -hmm. VDI has a ton of problems. And, and the industry has acknowledged the leaders in the industry, the, 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 the top VDI providers in the industry have acknowledged that at maturity, VDI will probably represent 15 to 20% of the total PC market of, of in, in business, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, we'll use this at home. So, so acknowledging that then, the question becomes why has Microsoft made this move? Mm -hmm. When Azure virtual desktops has been sort of this really slow rolled kind of weird, obscure model initially only offered through 
partners yep. and now offered directly but it appears to be free this year they're offering it for free so how mature is this really how mm -hmm. good is this really you look you dig into the pricing it is quite costly even for a pretty basic spec it is not cheap so you have now at, at looking at, at what exists is going to be costly you switch and look at now this notion of Windows 365, which you you know could, could see sort of foreshadowing, and they started saying Windows as a service a long time ago, which wasn't really Windows as a service, but you had to know they were thinking about it. <laughs> and some of the usual names and faces on the product management and, and engineering side are, are resurfacing now telling this tale. But the reality is VDI is problematic for a couple key reasons. One is user experience. It's not great. Mm -hmm. It is not great. For those of us who are accustomed to moving 100 miles an hour as our baseline on our computers and we get frustrated when one thing is out of place, which I think is a lot of people, a lot of people, and even not technical people, mm -hmm. very non-technical people, like our head of marketing can move incredibly fast on a computer. She knows where everything is, and, and when anything changes, it is, you know, catastrophic for her day. So VDI becomes problematic that way. There is a latency problem, right? And so the cloud's getting better. That's great. There is still a latency problem. Consider how much audio video problems you have using Zoom and Teams and yep. whatever you your video conferencing work is, how will that affect you when you're trying to access a virtual desktop, right? And, 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 and the, the, the litany of reasons goes on from there. Mm -hmm. I agree and believe it is true that they have probably managed to kind of package this and lace this up with Microsoft Endpoint Manager in a way that does make it easier to put together and piece together. Mm -hmm. They are telling a tale that you can use your golden image very much in the same model that Smart Deploy allows you to, 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 do, to do imaging um, in, into this environment. Cool. Very good. That's great. Once you image a device, even if you move, migrate settings and your data, it is not 100% like your fully robust configured everything's where I left it computing environment. So how does this really play out? Now, all of that said, there are a number of scenarios where this is going to be helpful or even a necessity, right? Financial services, mm -hmm. um, you know, other high security, high sensitivity environments. Great. This is a godsend. Um, I think this is partly to do battle with workspaces. Amazon Workspaces. I think this oh. is partly an answer to a variety of these other services that that seem to be doing pretty well. And why doesn't Microsoft have an answer for that? Well, they have an answer for that now. Mm -hmm. The question is, is it worth 300 bucks a month per user, right? Or some, something like that. It's high. It's wow. really expensive. It's, workspaces is like 30 bucks on the low end. It doesn't get you much, mm -hmm. right? And so that's the other thing. If you want performance, if you want native performance, native-like performance, you're going to pay through the nose. You're going to pay like crazy. So anyway, I, maybe maybe I read it wrong, but it sure looked like it was about $30,000 a month for 100, wow. you know, environments wow. um, on Azure, the Azure virtual desktop. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's part of the reason why I think they're giving it away for free, that they know that that's not competitive. Yeah. But that's just what Azure costs. The cloud isn't cheap. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not. Right? So everyone needs to abandon this idea that you go to the cloud for value. You go to the cloud for elasticity. You go yep. to the cloud so you can turn it off. You don't go to the cloud necessarily to save money. Right. So this is great. The, the narrative is good. I think it will appeal to a lot of people. I think it will be successful. I think they will get that. They will come up to that kind of floor that the industry is saying exists. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think, and, 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 and it'll be another one of these, you know, you, you, you negotiate your enterprise agreement and you're such a huge consumer that this tuck in of, you know, 15% allowance of your, of your endpoints for this, you know, yeah, your I think Microsoft that's... 365 includes up to this much Windows 365 and yep. everything's 365. Um, you know, that that starts to become, you know, kind of a digestible thing when your enterprise mm -hmm. agreements on the orders of millions or tens of millions of dollars a year. But it, it, it there, there's there's a lot still to be answered. So far, we are well and 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 all truth be told, we made we had a nice little adventure down this path of full cloud delivery, a lot of streaming, kind mm -hmm. of simultaneous local execution, some streamed. Um, the way that Microsoft is doing it is classic VDI hosted virtual desktop, you know, it, it, not a lot of mystery. yeah, still a lot of the same problems. and and so, how this ends up working and how well this all gets pulled together and how what what the feedback is from the community i think it's going to be a typical microsoft adoption curve where what's on what's on the label doesn't match what's in the box on v1 mm -hmm. v2 yeah it's sort of there but it doesn't work very good v3 finally they're delivering on the promise and and it's it really is is going um, and, and then pricing starts to come together. But, but I think we're looking at that and those might be years each. So this might be more, you know, sort of a, uh, a win 10 end of life and beyond picture that mm -hmm. we're looking at for this package and product. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause my rant. And, and uh, it's, it, no, it's, I mean, it's good that. insight because to your point, I fully agree. The cloud is not cheap. It's certainly convenient because it allows you to, as you said, elasticity. As long as you're building for cloud native applications, it can make sense in a lot of scenarios. But if you're doing a lift and shift operation, you're not going to save money because it's it's a poorly optimized platform for something like that. But that's right. The 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 pricing is going to be the real interesting thing here because it reminded me of gosh this was seven seven years ago five years ago something like that Microsoft had a problem with getting customers to use their Azure credits so they started dangling fruit with those credits I suspect that you're probably onto something it's like oh you're using it you're an E5 customer well we'll give you how many seats you got you got a hundred seats we'll give you ten percent uh, cloud desktops for free just go play with it get get fun have fun and when you're ready to expand call us and your eleventh one is when you start paying something like that yeah there's a there's a there's a hosted virtual desktop pricing calculator but perhaps coincidentally or not the link to it's broken from the Azure Virtual Desktop information page. <laughs> and there is no other information about price given for Windows 365. So we're, we're going to enjoy a long hype cycle mm -hmm. and a lot of rich demos and 
And, and, and we're going to see this unfold in many waves. And I think we'll see this shift a couple times and morph into a thing that becomes more usable. I mean, of course, there's going to be case studies. There probably already are case studies of, you know, XYZ amazing company in some exotic location is, you know, enjoying better productivity and saving money and, and realizing, you know, world peace as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most of us normal humans, it, it, it's going to be a, a, a complex proposition, partly because if you look at the capability Right. So they've got the they've got the table with all of the what what you can do with it on different platforms. So, yes, you can access it from Android and from iOS and from Mac OS. Cool. What can you do from those environments? Depending kind of not much. You you need a Windows desktop to do all of the things that you do to be productive. And so now I've got a full Windows client I'm working from connecting to a remote windows client okay so now why do i have the local one anyway right so it goes back to this i have a thick client to connect to my remote pc it'd really be better if i had a thin client but i can't do as much from the thin client so why are we doing this again when the performance is so horrible oh that's right security but why is security so bad it becomes it becomes this really circular argument and 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 there's a balance to strike yep. and anyway complex we're gonna have more on this topic later because i like seeing aaron fired up oh, <laughs> uh well there's a lot more aaron i very much appreciate your time but we're still looking for ltsc specs what the real future of pricing is for uh windows 3 i i'm the problem my problem is like in my grain in my grain in my brain it's microsoft 365 like that's what's and every time I'd say Windows 365, I want to say whatever. Uh, it's hard to get out. But we very much appreciate your time hanging out with us. Everybody else, you can find links down in the description below. And as the cool kids say, subscribe or something like that. And we'll catch all of you right back here next time.